It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. EP 174 is now underway right here on the home of Lacrosse Classified, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. I'm one half of your co-host, Jay Kellett. The other is Brad Challoner as we record here on a Monday evening, Bradley. And uh, I know you're back out in the garage there. What's, uh, what, what are you sipping on this evening? How's it going? Uh, nothing yet. It's still uh, still a little early in the show. I usually don't have to drink until Evan gets on. So oh, yeah. I'll wait, well, that I'll makes wait, sense. I'll, that makes I'll sense. wait for that to happen. But uh, no, good weekend. Big, big sports weekend. Obviously, all the games of the National Lacrosse League to take in. Um, I finished up the season coaching my U8 soccer girls out here, the Tigers of South Delta United. Well, there you go. You got a bottle months. of bourbon for doing that. Uh, I got a open. bottle of bourbon for coaching, which makes it all worth it at the end of the year. But no, worth it to see the progress that these young girls made from September to March. It was a long season. But even just look, I like I looked at our team photo from like September, and October. Like, who are these girls? Like, it just everything changes so much over over five or six months when you're that young. So it's uh, pretty special, but it's a long season. Glad it's done. And then immediately to the golf course for the first round of the season to dust them off on, on March 6th, which I think is the earliest I've ever been out. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty early for golf, but I mean, we are here in BC. How did, the, how was the golf game? I, my golf Terrible. game has got to be awful. so rusty right now. It was awful. No, no time to get to the range. I got a call on like Saturday, Saturday night. My buddy's like, can you get out for one twenty tomorrow? I'm like, yes, but no time to go to the drive. <laughs> well, if you're with the buddy, it it's, you don't have to worry about embarrassing yourself out there or whatever. It, it's true. Didn't you? I started feeling good around like hole four, five, and then it was just a quick nine and we were done. So, yeah. but now I got the bug. Now it's time to, now it's time to keep it, right. keep it going. Well, would we got to get out there, up? man. We haven't done that uh, for, for quite some time either. So. No, and you would love, you would love Cove, like little executive, like right oh, down yeah. the street. That's from what, my place, nine holes, but challenging. Lots of water. Bring some balls. Okay, okay. Love a good time. Yeah, that's what I like. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. But, uh, anyways, uh, big program lined up here for what was, holy cow, Brad, just a crazy week of National Cross League action. Just spectacular goals, overtime games, upsets. All sorts of wackiness going on in week 14, and I would expect nothing less coming up here in week 15 as well. So we'll bring you who we had the week that was here in quarter number one. Uh, only one guest this week as uh, we were efforting Frank the Tank Shiliano. Couldn't make it happen. He's got work commitment, so we'll get Frankie on in the coming weeks here. But we do have a fantastic guest coming up in quarter number three as we'll talk a little trade deadline in quarter two in lieu of a guest and in quarter three, the Syracuse alum, Iroquois Nationals, former NLL champ. Well, he's still a current NLL champ, I suppose. Three-time champion. And now the alternate captain for Panther City Lacrosse Club. And playing a little power play action as well as the Jet, Jeremy Thompson, will join us here on Lax Class in quarter three. And then in the fourth and final frame, our buddy Evan Schemenauer will be back on for who you got week 15. 
and uh, we got ourselves. Well, I don't want to give it away. I'm not going to tell you who won quite yet, but uh, who you got coming up in Lax Class Locks is, uh, oh, mercy. Once again, so close. I went two for three on my personal parlay, two for three on the, the combined Lax Class Boosted Odds parlay. Like, we just, we're right there, Brad, and I feel like week 15 is our week. Everything is coming up Lax Class in week 15. So buckle up for Lax Class Locks in the fourth. Well, yeah, I, I don't know who you got locks. Like I, I did better on who you got this week than I did last week, Not but right. I went down in the rankings. Like I went four out of six this week. I went three out of six last week, but somehow I dropped to like 15th overall now. So I've got, I've got some work to do, but again, we say it every week. We sound like broken records, but it's just, that's the parody in the national lacrosse league right now. Anybody can win on any given night. I think Saskatchewan uh, upset the apple cart getting beat by Panther city. I think, uh, I took Rochester and Georgia won that game. Uh, I had Albany got wrong. Got burned in overtime. Put it this way, Brad, if Saskatchewan would have beat Panther City, 33 people would have went 6-0. and But they didn't. Panther City won, but still five people went 6-0 and with Panther City on their ticket. And uh, we got ourselves a winner via the tiebreaker, I believe. So well done. Good for those who took Panther City. They are rolling. We'll get into that with Jeremy Thompson uh, in a little bit. But what they're doing is pretty special right now. And we'll talk about this in trade de- and trade deadline talk too. But I don't know if it's over yet for the Saskatchewan uh-huh. Rush. Like we still, there's still another week of games before the deadline. So I think they get a win over San Diego, and they probably think their hopes are still pretty good. Well, they lose to San Diego, then maybe we see the fire sale. But I think teams are just still too close. To be blowing up the ship yet well, this weekend. Well, here's the key for Saskatchewan. I still believe this to be true, is that they still have a chance to win the season series against every team in the West. Yeah. And until that has gone bye-bye on you, you're still in it. So, we'll see. But you, all you the, the flip side of that, and again, we'll talk about this more quarter too, is you don't want to wait until the last second and then not be able to get a deal done because you waited too long and, you know, other teams are doing other things and whatever. So fine line there is uh, Derek Keenan back on the Saskatchewan bench there, tucked away in the corner, just kind of checking things out. It's an odd situation all around. Yeah, we don't know what he's checking out down there, what he's doing. I guess we could ask some questions, but just speculatory is, are you keeping an eye on your coaching staff? Are you keeping an eye on the players and what the fire's like and what the talk's like on the bench? Is there maybe some some trouble in that room that we don't know about? I don't know what he's keeping an eye on, yeah. but it is a little awkward to, to have him down there with, with your full bench. Yeah, it's like he's not coaching. He's just kind of standing down at the end of the bench, just watching the game and maybe that's what he's doing just watching the game from a pretty cool yeah, spot maybe that's, maybe that's just his vantage point yeah. who who knows we've seen gms watch games from all over well heck brad doug locker back in our vancouver days used to sit up in the broadcast booth with me and strap on a headset beside me <laughs> how's that for trying to keep it impartial hey? yeah 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 good luck staying the boss with- the boss on the headset where you're getting pumped <laughs> 20 to five at the Langley events there. Those were, those were interesting guys. They made us who we are. So nothing about yeah, that yeah. time. I know they, that's who we were, but you know, that's who we are because of that time. But um, you know, there was, there were some dark nights there. Things it have was, changed, but it, it, yeah, it was fun. It's, it's really changed a lot. Okay. Well, let's start it off in right. 
Friday night, the game that I got wrong. You had to think there was going to be an upset in the yeah, league somewhere. And there was. There was. Mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be one of them, but Georgia Swarm beat the Rochester Nighthawks in overtime, 17-16. to 16. Georgia now holds the fifth playoff spot and the crossover spot if the playoff started today. Rochester, 3-7. and seven. Again, no, we're taking away all our storylines from the next segment, but I'm hearing that the it might be a full sale going on in Rochester after this after this loss. They're three and seven with a bill big hole to climb. Shane Jackson wins it in overtime with his fifth of the night. I didn't see this game going what thirty three goals no. deep. Well, heavy, heavy on the over. Yeah, mind you, that was my combo pick. So I don't know who the three of us got there. I think it was Evan that got got the third pick wrong here, but this was my selection, the over in this game. I didn't think it was going this over, but 33 goals is definitely an over, and this thing was entertaining, Brad. Back and forth, they went here, 12 goals scored in the second quarter. Rochester makes a game of it in the third, and then Georgia comes right back in the fourth and outscores them 6-3 to to get to OT, and Boom, there you go. Georgia gets it done. Another home win for the Swarm, which uh, which was good to see Lyle doing Lyle things. Four and three there for the house noonday. And uh, Shane Jackson was playing with some fire, but Ryan Smith in a losing effort here, Brad, with a niner, four goals, five assists for the rookie in his best game as a pro. What happened at the end of this game? I didn't catch the end with Hartley getting bonked and then coming back and playing people thought he shouldn't have come back yeah i think he got his bell rung i had so many screens going at this point but i believe he took a bit of a riser off his helmet that knocked him back and you could kind of tell it you know the bells and the birdies were circling and people were like well that's got to be a concussion protocol and scary situation for a goalie but hardly the competitor that he was wasn't coming out of that game and We'll see what he's like here coming coming into this week, but uh, you know that's there's a guy they cannot afford to lose, and I don't know if there's any history there with Hartley or not, but yeah, kind of a weird situation where you know this happens in our sport from time to time, where we well we saw it with Zach Higgins earlier this year, Brad, where he took one right in the eye hole. This one a little bit different, um, but still scary situation. Anytime a hundred mile an hour rubber ball is going to slam off your head. Well, and without Evan Kirk, like we've seen Hartley, he's played through everything this year. It doesn't matter if Rochester's getting shellacked, like they keep him in net just, I guess, for that learning experience to see a little bit of everything. So not, this is a little bit of a different situation, but we've seen this kid play through absolutely everything this year as part of his, uh, his maturation going forward. So not surprised that, you know, he's obviously got the fire to stay. Let me in. I just saw the clip where he went back in his crease and he's like, almost laughing and giggling. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I, so he's like, okay, I'm staying in. I'm ready to turn things around. Let's take this thing to OT. Let's go. Well, I mean, on the flip side of the goaltending spectrum here, Brad, like what is Georgia going to do? Because they score 17, but they had to score 17 to win as Poulin allows 16. And we just haven't seen Team Canada, Man Cup champion Mike Poulin play goal yet this year. And, I mean, Georgia's scraping by. They're keeping themselves in it. And I'm not hanging it all on Pooley because it's a young defense in front of him and, and a new team there as well. But, I mean, th- this is not going to get them to where they want to go. They Either he needs to turn it around or they need to do something to turn it around. Yeah, but good news is that they are putting up 
17 yeah. and and Mike Poon still has time to turn around so maybe it is just a slow go for him I don't know what his off season was like we've seen guys like Matt Vince come back at 39 and be in the best shape and playing like a goaltender of the year candidate again and I think it might just be a different story for Mike Poulin but lots of time to turn it around there for Georgia who like I said are in the final playoff spot right now at five and six they've knocked out Albany if things were starting tonight um Pachanga Arena Slow start again, San Diego and the Calgary Roughnecks. I don't think teams like scoring goals in the first quarter in Pachong. I don't know if it's tough to get going there, and it's unfortunate we don't have Frankie on to talk about tonight, but another quiet uh, first half, 3-1 at halftime. Lipsing was on pace to be the lowest scoring game in national across the history, 5-2 after three as Frank looks phenomenal again. And it ends up at 9-4 only because empty netter from Brody Merrill. It would have been an 8-4 game. (laughs) And 8 would have been right there as far as fewest goals to win a game with in NLL history. I'll break some of those numbers down here in a second. But again, San Diego Seals and Frank Chiliano for the third time this year hold the team to four goals. Yeah, some goaltenders are lucky to do that once in a career. He's done it three times This this season. Yeah, like no wonder he didn't want to talk to us. Yeah, no wonder he didn't want to talk to us tonight. The kid's on a heater, and he doesn't want to be disturbed. You know, I didn't want to go down that road in that line of thinking that that might be the the case. But if even if it is, and Frankie hears this, and we're calling, I respect it, man. Like you know, goalies just. Uh, you know, just say that to me. Say, hey, listen, I'm in the zone right now. I don't want to do any interviews. I don't want to jinx myself. Just leave me alone. I would have been like, you got it, Frank. Like, no problem. But you're right. Like, I think only like seven goaltenders in NLL history have held a team to four goals or less more than once in their career. But that's been over the span of their entire career. Frankie has done it three times this season, which is just absolutely mind boggling. Brody Merrill with the, the full court bomb again at the end of this game. But I, the highlight of this game, Brad, was Westberg coming out of the right corner as a right-handed player, beating like four guys to the front of the net and goes New Jersey backhand, the reverse around the world, and like tucks this thing into the corner midair, like just insane, like goal of the year so far from Wesley Berg, who had himself a heck of a game and is playing maybe the best lacrosse of his career. Yeah, I think so too. Definitely the goal of the year. Um, like you said, to dig that out in the corner, then outrun four guys chasing them to go airborne on Christian Delbianco and then go around the world. It was, it was absolutely like just such an athletic play. And I think that's what stood out for me for Berg this year is just like, you know, he's a full timer down there in San Diego and he looks like lacrosse is his absolute life right now. Like the kid is, is beefed up. He's got some size to him. He's got you know, ankle breaking speed. He's got great stick skills on the inside. He's got a shot from the outside. There's nothing you can really do to Westberg right now. You know, to get him off, he's so strong on ball yeah. to swim through defenders like that and go airborne. Like he is on another plane right now. And man, you know, I I think you know we talked last week about sort of Dobie's swagger, mm. and again he's he's held only to one goal in this game, and it comes late. It looked like the monkey came off his back a little bit, but. 
you know, I thought about this, just watching him again, kind of then going to the bench and sitting down and, you know, he doesn't look like he's having the fun that Austin starts and Trey Leclerc and. Wow. We and saw Audi having, bust thought, a stick in half at the end of the game because yeah. he didn't get on the floor for the final possession. But my theory is like, it's, it's not Dobie's team. Calgary was Dobie's team. Like they, he could put them on his back and he was their, he was their vocal leader and he celebrated like crazy over the years in Calgary, but it's like, he's coming into a spot where he's like, okay, I'll let Audi do his thing. I'll let Berg do his thing. It's yeah. their guys show. I'll contribute when I need to. I think that's the role that he's sitting into because Berg and Austin Stotts are playing unbelievably right now. Yeah. It's Wes's team. There's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you know, Brody's the captain there and everybody's kind of playing for 37 this year, but uh, it's Wesley Berg's team and, and he is Mr. San Diego right now. And, I think it was Jimmer said, like, never mind righties. I think Wes is a top five forward in the league right now. And I honestly, I don't think I can debate it, man. Like, the way he is going right now, he's on, like you said, on a different level. Um, so pretty impressive stuff there. If you haven't seen that highlight of Westberg's goal, check out the NLL socials because it is worth a watch. So it's a 9-4 win. Brody Barrel gets the empty netter. So 13 goals scored in this game. The fewest goals combined ever. In a National Cross League game? Any guesses? Oh, I think I know this, but I can't. Like, you put me on the spot here. Uh, I want to say Rochester was involved. Is that right? No, it was. Uh, it's 11 goals. Okay. Back that... in 2001. 2001. Toronto beating Albany. January 11th, 2001. This is the albany attack and beat by the toronto rock 7-4 back in 2001 the fewest goals to win a game seven yeah that's so and 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 sandy was on pace like i thought i was bringing up the history stats as this game was going on so i'm like we're on pace for a record low scoring game here and then a couple of goals late kind of turned that things around but yeah they score nine seven is the fewest goals to win a game that's been done one two three four five times the last time coming in 2015 minnesota beating rochester maybe that's the game you were thinking yeah of. yeah that is the game i was thinking of. and we have seen all sorts of history so far this year with with milestones getting taken down uh you think about that albany buffalo game with no goals going in one net frankie doing his thing holding teams to four last three times like we're seeing some really amazing things here in 2022, and we're just past the halfway point. Like, I I don't know how we top all this, but I feel like we're going to. Yeah, I don't know. I was uh, j- the, the thought that just came into my head was, like, let's take another year and a half off and come back and have <laughs> mayhem up. again. But no, let's let's not do that. <laughs> no, let's, but that's why we're seeing it. That's I think that's why we're seeing yeah, maybe. some of this. There was the, one of the deepest overtime games, Panther City in New York. Like, well, yeah, we are records falling all over the place uh moving along to probably the second longest road trip in the national lacrosse league san diego to halifax is probably the longest i'm going to say vancouver to halifax the second well can longest I, can i just say this brad i think this the, the trip back home easily became the longest road trip ever because a good majority i shouldn't laugh a good majority of the Vancouver Warriors players, coaching staff, uh, team personnel, seven-hour layover in Montreal on the way home after a loss. That is brutal. And I think a couple guys even lost their luggage. That's rough. That is really, really rough. I think Logan told me it was 
top three worst travel days in his career, which is saying something. Oh my God. Well, and they got to come back home and play a game this, this Saturday against the Toronto rock, which won't be any, it's another long road trip for Toronto, but that's not, uh, not the longest one Toronto does all year, I think, but yeah. still like come home, you know, you're not feeling right on Monday. You're probably not back to the gym and stretching out until Tuesday. It's uh, and then you're back at sh- practice and then shoot around and it's going to be a quick week for, the Vancouver Warriors, and we'll see if they're uh, they're touched up and they can bounce back. But they go to Halifax. They lead this game oh, for the majority and control the first. And they control the second, and then they get shut out in the third. Halifax takes it 10-10 into the fourth quarter, and then they go on a four-goal run and seal it as Aaron Bold shuts the door in the second half. But they had Boldy's number in the first half. Vancouver was controlling the game. Their defense was great, blocking shots, well-rounded offense again. And then Bold kind of looked like a different guy and and shut them out. You know, as they played probably forty five out of sixty minutes, and we're right there with a seven and one team that is now an eight and one team. But now Vancouver falls to five and five, fourteen twelve in Halifax. Yeah, I think that's what Vancouver needs to remember coming out of this game is you know what they went through to get there is one thing, but going up against a seven and one team that really does not has not shown that they lose games in Halifax. Like, I don't know how many, I think they've only lost one game in regulation or something like that. And they had them 10, seven. And you know, the big news coming out was Warren Hill going on the COVID list and that Aaron bold was going to get a start. And you thought, okay, there's, there's the break that maybe Vancouver was looking for. And again, the absence of hammer Jackson was very, very apparent. And it's nothing against Owen Barker. He's just not a specialist like like Hammer is. And Withers dominated that game, which I think resulted, Brad, in 30 extra possessions for Halifax. And it was that, what, like 45 seconds or something where Halifax rattled off three goals, bang, bang, bang. And it was just like the, the wind was gone. But you can't go a full quarter without scoring a goal and expect to win a game in this league. And that was the case for Vancouver in quarter three. You got to give a Kersey and those guys a lot of credit for making the right adjustments at halftime. And it took Vancouver a while to figure out how to combat that adjustment. And by that time, it was a little bit too late. Yeah, you know, I think they can they can take souls in the fact that they hung that long with. Well, they played them as team. tough as anybody this year, Brad. Exactly, and they were it could it could it's a, that was a totally winnable game for the Vancouver Warriors had they scored goals in that third quarter. Like they have to be happy with the secondary scoring that they're getting. Rod Riley Lowen has five the pack. best game of his career. Five pack Killen continues to to fill the back that he had an easy four. It's just shooting the absolute lights out right God, now. Logan's contributing. Ball, Brad. Holy cow, can he shoot? Yeah, the kid, he's got a nice stroke. He's got a <laughs> nice stroke for, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, and we've seen him at, at shoot around this. Like, he's got, he's one of these kids that he's the last guy off the floor until he gets that shot, you know? Like, he's not leaving the floor until he sinks a couple corners and feels good, and he wants to know exactly how that feels so he can replicate that come game time and he's i like the confidence and the swagger that Killing he does brings, have right? a lot of drip man yeah yeah man. i think the i think the i think he fits good on this team the boys like him looks like he's got a good relationship going with uh with caleb toe there's a lot of conversation when he comes over to the bench they're they're talking about shots and goals and corners and where they want to put it so i think there's some bright side for vancouver that they're the deepest on o that they've ever been the final takeaway from this game is just Aaron Bolt. what kind of a special story it was for Aaron Bolt. 
Yeah. Like first, first win in the net since his wife passing away from cancer, a two goal allowed in the second half. And this is a guy who. Against his former club. Right. Yeah. Against his former club. And is this still a guy who still wants to be a starter in the national lacrosse league and maybe gets that spot after, after this year somewhere, maybe not, not stuck. I mean, Halifax, but with expansion, who knows, maybe he's the starting goaltender for the Las Vegas. Something, something. Dirt Devils or Desert Devils or whatever. <laughs> whatever brutal with. name you came up with before, yeah. Desert Desert Devils. Sand Devils or something like that. Sand Devils. But yeah, it was... Um, yeah, you got to feel good for to get that win. Yeah. yeah, the whole lacrosse community is behind him. So I think uh, a little salt off Vancouver's wounds that, uh, that he was able to get that but yeah now you got to lick your wounds at five and five and face the toronto rock at at home this weekend by the way uh i had twitter spaces with kyle Kellen and, and steve fryer who who let me know that you know i asked what well, what would you guys do in halifax after the game you know what's the nightlife like back there and they said well there wasn't much to do because of covid they got it still locked down pretty tight there but uh casino attached to the hotel there and so i said oh well how'd you guys do and fryer says oh, i donated 100 bucks he goes but uh talk to logan so i thought oh logan had a bad night and <laughs> he's de-. and they said no no logan had a great night so i texted logan this morning i said uh, how'd you, you know like how'd it go well, i heard you you won big and he won big <laughs> Wow! Yeah, he won big and uh, bought the boys breakfast and uh, a couple of rounds and, uh, you know, still with a a good chunk on the slots, nonetheless. So no skill involved there, but uh, good for him. I guess that lightens the load a little bit coming home with a pocket full of cash in your pocket there. Probably practicing his best uh, granny impression there Mm -hmm. by by pulling on the old slot machine. All right, let's move along here. Toronto Rock and the New York Riptide, the second game of a back-to-back for these two teams as they go back to Hamilton. The Toronto Rock, pretty good on home floor this year. They win 12-9. They're 7-4, and four, firmly in third place in the East, and the New York Riptide are 2-8. and eight. Toronto was up 6 in this game, um, controlling it for the most part. New York rattles 3 late. They neutralize Jeff Teat, so it's kind of, Obvious that as the New York Riptide go, Jeff T is going to go one goal and I think four assists from Jeff T. One goal from Tom Schreiber, mind you, for Toronto, but they're able to get some secondary. Um, But the story really here is, again, along the Aaron Bold lines of guys who just persevere and pull through and are big team guys is is Dan Lomas coming back into the lineup for New York Riptide and getting a hat trick in his first game of the season. Scored on his first shot, man. Score. Just a few months removed from a blown Achilles, which has been a career ender for some people yeah. or taking guys a year to get back from. And he's done it in a matter of months to come back in this lineup and get a hat trick. Three goals on seven shots for Dan Lomas. Uh, pretty special story there. Absolutely. I think the injury came back in, I want to say, July. And, excuse me, Dan, like, chronicled and journaled his entire rehab. And right when it happened... He's like, I must play again and circled March 5th on his calendar for his return date. And that's exactly wow. when he got back and then scores on his first shot. Kind of like, I mean, it's just storybook stuff there, but Brad manifested it. Yeah. Manifested it, man. That's really special. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty incredible stuff. So congrats to Danny. And, and I know, you know, the win wasn't there, but uh, that, that was a big time story for him. Problem was Brad. 
this game was the final game of my individual parlay that I put out for the people. And I'll say this, like I had, the over was necessary. It was 21 and a half and it was a low scoring game throughout the entire first half. And then it kind of picked up in the third quarter and then it got real interesting in the fourth quarter. And I thought like, Oh, this might actually happen. There it is sitting on 21 goals near the end of the game with Toronto up a few. The Rock get the ball. Challen gets the pass at center. Empty net. And a mysterious timeout call. Foils the over for the people. And it finishes a half a goal under. That was a tough pill to swallow. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't want to call anybody out or anything. But uh, real mysterious timeout there that cost the people some money. I don't know what you're alluding to here. I don't think there's any colluding going on no no i mean it just like we can't we can't you just gotta pick a better pick a better one this weekend well i just the point the the point i guess i'm making is i'm not sure why the timeout was called like i think it was just one of those they didn't want to turn the ball over it was under 30 seconds they could run out the clock but they had the empty net just staring at them anyways uh we'll try and do better here in congrats to the toronto i've always yeah i you know and and talk about that timeout like i think Sometimes you see that almost to, okay, how are we going to play keep away here for the next 30 seconds before we get any injuries or anything stupid happens? It's almost like, let's just draw something up to get out of here yeah. as safely It's like as one possible. of those things where you're like, coaches do. you're like, no, like, it's like uh, when Fennell won the game in overtime to kick off the year where you're going, no, 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 no. Oh, nice shot. Like, you know, there's one of those things where it's like, uh, anyways, uh, tough break there. So don't don't blame me. I, I did my part. Uh, we'll try and, like I said, try and do better for you here in quarter number four. Final game of the weekend. I know you were going underdog on this one, but the Buffalo Bandits just mm. find ways to win lacrosse games. They are nine and one. That's, a, that's an insane number. Like we haven't seen that since best the rush in the, of twenty sixteen. Twenty. I think best in like their nineteen year history or something. That's that's unreal. And Banditland travels to Albany again and fills up like a quarter of that barn. But the Bandits win in overtime, 12-11. Albany Firewolves now on the outside of the postseason at 5-7 and seven as we talk here. Uh, half the pass waypoint of the National Lacrosse League season. But another one, another back-and-forth game. Like There's some, a lot of back-and-forth lead changes in this one. Joey um, Rez with... Just a spectacular, like, alley-oop, slam-dunk, diving goal. Like, he, like, jumps and then catches the ball in all-in-one motion, swoops it into the net. Like, I don't think people really understand how hard that is to do, and Joey made it look easy. Leading the league and scoring, by the way, one Joe Resiteritz right now. First in points with 72, first in goals with 31, second in assists with 41. Ryan Banesh in the top five of goals now, too, as he gets the lacrosse classified. Karma um, bump. Bump yeah. after hanging with us last week. Did he convince you at all that Joe Resiteris is the MVP? Yeah. Yeah. Even at five and seven, though, because that's going against your theory there of having well, to be a, a playoff lacrosse team. Uh, yeah. I mean, five and seven. There, and The year is not done yet. Um but to be doing that on a five and seven team, I think is almost more impressive. So yes, records matter. It's not like they're, you know, two and 10 or something right now. So it's been real impressive. I mean, he's in the conversation, Brad, I'll say that. 
Yep, 100%. And it's unfortunate that all teams like can't go every weekend because when Resetarits is going, well, Ryan Lee is on a bye week. So I want to see yeah. what he's up to, you know? And it's like Albany plays this weekend, but Colorado does too. So now we'll see who's really going to. Yeah, all that's going to change it's, here it's in the back week. half of the season, right? Like everybody, there's not too many bye weeks left for teams. And the other point here was how good is that Max Adler signing for Buffalo? Ooh. Is he beats Nardella for that opening faceoff and then they score. 22 seconds into overtime after winning that first face-off. So that's pretty special. Buchanan, the water bug, darts through the middle, and the righty scores a goal from the lefty side. Because he's done that a lot yeah. this year and throughout his career. Like, there's he's not the a lot of righties guy. that hang. There's not a lot of righties that hang out on that lefty crease as much as Bucky does. No, he is the best. He's able to reach over on the run. He is the best. Uh, the way he, he sneaks out and he's yeah. good on those angles. Yeah, there's. I, I can't think of another righty who does that there isn't the one. lefty crease. There isn't one. He's the best. So Bennett's keep rolling. If it's not Kluche or Tahoga or Burn, someone comes up big, and that team is just having a lot of fun right now. They are rolling, and that is the weekend, man. Let's, no, we got uh, one more, let's don't speculate. We? No, that's it. That's it. Panther City, Saskatchewan, Brett. Oh, crapola. I did forget one. There's yes, only the biggest upset of yeah, the weekend. Yeah. We got a guy coming on like, that might man, want to I talk thought, about I thought, that. I game thought we well. got that. I got I thought we got through that a little quicker than I anticipated. All right. So yeah, this how about it for Panther City here, man? Two in a row now. And and like I said, I don't know how many people were picking Panther City in this game. At least five people in, in who you got did. 17-16. It looked like Panther City had this one sewn up late in the game, but the Rush, you know, win a couple of late draws. They get a late goal from Keenan to send this thing to overtime. But again, the entertainment level just off the charts in this game from start to finish. Yeah, and credit to Panther City. Like, Saskatchewan just finding ways to lose right now. It doesn't matter if your offense, like, we finally said their offense needs a good game. The offense puts up 16 goals. That's going to win you games more often than not. And then Penny and the defense let in 17 on the other side of things. So when one thing is going right for Saskatchewan, it seems like the other is not. Again, we keep talking about the season series, so nothing is done, but they're just not giving people a lot of faith that they're able going to be able to turn things around here down the stretch. And Panther City just riding that Tracy Koleski mantra for the beginning of the season of bring your lunch pail don't let anybody push us around be the hardest working team be the scrappiest team let's get it done by committee it's coming to fruition yeah and this was their final game of that four game homestand i think that's probably a message too hey let's clear let's let's get out of here let get two and two on that four game homestand bad, for an expansion team is pretty pretty phenomenal so they get out of there and their chemistry is starting to build right sure like is. dodds and malcolm are a great combination now eight points milligan comes in out of nowhere and contributes again like guys are guys are getting it done and and demute is really like yeah he lets in 16 but he's looking comfortable as their number one guy and they're showing faith in him right now so it's kind of coming together for panthers i really believe it is man i really believe it is and i think just that whole aura around which has surrounded saskatchewan for so long that they were the big bad rush and i just don't feel that now when when teams go up against them like I think everybody going up against Saskatchewan feels like they can beat them now and I don't know if they felt like that before but I think everything you mentioned about Panther City 
is bang on. And, and clearly they've kind of hitched their wagon to Damood now, and, and he's running with it, man. And, like, we're going to see some 17-16 games. We saw two of them this, this weekend. So I, I think, you know, it's not going to be an average score, but we are going to see some real high-scoring games. We're going to see some low-scoring games and then some stuff in the middle. And, again, all you got to do is get the win. And that's what Panther City was able to do. And Will Malcolm, local kid out of here at New West, eight points, including five goals, including the game-winning goal in OT. Yeah, he was there... You know, we traded for for Chris Wardle. They took a Wardle in the expansion draft and traded for yeah. for Malcolm. I think and got another piece there too, maybe Trottier or something in that mm, deal. But anyways, right. yeah, showing right. that showing that you know this is the guy that that is going to be there for a long time. And when you bring Stotts in next year, you bring Donville in next year, and Dodds gets another year older. Kids still got another year in junior left. You got Grennan contributing, who I'm a big fan of, and Medeiros. Like they've got the right pieces and. Tracy Kluski is telling these guys like, Hey, this is going to be a slow build. I want to put faith in guys who are going to be here for the next few years. And those guys are getting a lot of touches right now. Look at it coming to fruition. Yeah. No, it looks good. We're seeing a sort of a master plan unfold here. Put this way. I'm glad Panther city is in the rear view mirror of Vancouver right now, who they do not have to play again. Yeah. They get out of that series season series two and one. Yeah. All right, there was the week that was who we had. Brad, it's your favorite time. It's time to head for the Stampede Tax Stables. Danny says to me last night, she goes, you know what my favorite part of the podcast is? I said, what's that? She goes, when you and Brad make horse noises. <laughs> I said, that is your favorite part of the podcast. She goes, well, it's the only thing that you guys do every week. Like we change up our stallions. We change our picks. We do all. She goes, but you guys do horse noise. You know, our only consistency is our horse. Noise. Okay. Well then we maybe we need more segments. Maybe we need like a donkey. Of well, the I was like, I'd like it. It makes me laugh every single time. I don't know if it makes other people laugh. Or not. I don't even know if I care, but it's become a thing, and I feel like we can't stop now. So, well, my horse this week. Um, we stallion. talked about stallion, it. I'll right. keep it. I'll keep it short. I'll keep it squeaky clean here. Uh, Westberg, three goals, two assists, five points. For the San Diego Seals, the prettiest goal of the year. He's got 24 goals on the season to go along with how many assists does he have now? 22 assists, but who cares about assists when he's scoring goals the way that he's scoring right now? Unbelievable stuff from Westberg. He's having a career season. We talked about it earlier. This is his team right now. They ride and die with Westberg, and I think he's looking across the floor at Austin Stotts and going, hey, you think you can only score the high rally real goals? Well, hold my beer and let me try this. So another big night for Westberg, and his seals are rolling right now. Absolutely. I was going to go, I kind of sewered you, Brad, because I know we both were going to select Will Malcolm for our stallion, but I was like, oh, no, you, like, you take him. But I'm not going to even pick Will Malcolm. I'm taking Riley Lowe in here, Brad, uh, who also scored five goals in the lacrosse game against the Halifax Thunderbirds. 
which is a real impressive effort, especially on the road. No Mitch Jones in your lineup either. And Roddy really stepped up in that game and almost tried to will his Warriors to a victory. Got some nice kudos online from head coach of the Berards, Rob Williams as well, just saying like everybody needs a Riley Lowen on their team. That guy will do anything that you ask of him. And really at the end of the day, I think that's what a stallion is all about. Yeah, put him in different positions. He's had the ball loading the stick a lot more since this guy was healthy once at the beginning of the season. And yeah. since Mitch Jones has gone down, he's really been one of those guys. That whole left side has really stepped up. But Riley Lowen in particular is having some uh, some really good games. Clearly, I tweeted out like chowder before every game because I don't know what Halifax had for <laughs> yes. Riley Lowen, but it was it was phenomenal. He's great in the two-man game. Like you drop a set play, the ball's going to touch his stick at some point within that set he's he's involved in all aspects picking corners shooting shooting really good that game against boldy all right so a couple of bc boys make the stampede stallion this week welcome to the stables wesley berg and riley lowen and the stallion of the week obviously brought to you by stampede tack and westerware as we roll into march that means spring is in the air brad sun is starting to shine it's a little lighter out longer now most important thing, it's getting warmer. It also means it's time to get ready to take on the great outdoors again, and Stampede Tack is a great spot to make sure you're geared up properly. From head to toe, they got you covered. They have a huge selection of hats, great outerwear for companies such as Outback, Carhartt, Jeans by Wrangler, and, of course, the Blundstone boots. Don't forget those. They're available men's, ladies, kids. Enough to outfit the entire team. Head out there to Stampede Tack, located in Cloverdale since 1966. Or you can shop online because it's still shopping local. Stampede.ca. Quarter one is done. Quarter two is on deck. We're going to talk a little trade deadline on the other side as EP174 rolls on. Associated Labels and Packaging. A fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Mitch Belisle. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. And now it's time for another round of Who You Got? Welcome back to Lax Class. We're into the second quarter of action here on EP174. Jake Kelly, Brad Schaller with you. And with us, as always, are Associated Labels and Packaging, Associated LP, focusing on people, ethics, quality, and, of course, family-owned down there in Coquitlam, over 40 years of experience. Best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging, Associated LP.com. Brad, this was your little ditty here, your idea your brainchild a uh, little trade deadline talk so i'm gonna let you uh just kind of steer it wherever you want to go here what do you want to talk about well first of all i put out on twitter earlier this week what are you expecting across the league at the nll trade deadline 44 votes on this one the winner being crickets at 45.5 percent and probably because most teams are still in the position of we don't know what we got yet. Let's let's see what happens this weekend, decide if we're really going to buy or sell. And traditionally, Jumbo, the trade deadline hasn't been an earth-shattering thing yeah. in the National Lacrosse League. Like, it's not something where things get flipped upside down and 
and guys go on runs. Um, well, let me ask you this before we get into it then. And I, I don't think crickets is the right answer. Like I think, well, let me give you so crickets was the number one with 45.5% of the vote, minor movement, 29 and a half mm. and fireworks, 25% at third place. Okay. So I think the second option, I think we're going to see some minor movement on the trade deadline, but maybe I'll pose the question to you. Is the trade deadline too early then? Should it be pushed back a couple more weeks into week 17, 18? So maybe the picture becomes a little bit clearer on where teams actually are in their standings or what their chances might be. So they have a better indication on whether to be buyers or sellers. Ooh, that's a spicy question, Jumbo. Oh, no, it's spicy. It's not, I can't, spicy. I'm not, I'm not giving you a dink for yeah, that. It's yeah. spicy. Um, Ooh, yeah. I mean, I would say let's hold it back. Um, so what do we got? Oh, Eighteen regular two. season games. Thirteen. Most teams 14? have played ten or eleven, right? Yeah. So let's let's get yeah, let's get you to thirteen, and then give teams, uh, you know, five games left. It's still more than a quarter of your season to finish things out, right? Well, maybe the new commissioner might take that under advisement. Well, and who knows, like, I hope we get to a place one day where we're up to 20 games or maybe 22 games. And then you're looking at maybe like a, a week, week 17, 18 mm-hmm. trade deadline. Like, I think like you want to get, you probably want to get four games at least yeah. out of these, out of the players that you're picking up to get them integrated into your system before going in to the postseason. Like that was, that's, that's the bar that I would like to see four, maybe five games. And yeah, we're a couple weeks away from that. So I think you pose a pretty good question there. Like, yeah, maybe wait, maybe made another couple weeks. Cause you know, I, I've tried to poke around a little bit um, to a couple of GMs and kind of say like, what are you thinking? What's going on? And most of them are saying like, check back with me on Sunday, check back with me on Monday because there is big games this weekend. Like Saskatchewan can find out what they're really doing. Um, Georgia swarm, Albany, like where are they going to be? Are they going to be buying? Are they going to be selling? So It'll be interesting to see, man. Like the only thing I'm hearing right now and the question that I wanted to kick around was like, I, I am hearing that the doors are sort of open in Rochester mm-hmm. right now and that they're, they're accepting offers mm-hmm. based on what they've got this year. And if you're a team, like your Rochester Nighthawks, your UFAs are um, Sean Evans, Curtis Knight, Paul Dawson, or the sort of the three big ones. Would you pick up Sean Evans if you were a team or does he change the dynamic of your team so much that you don't take a swing yeah, on Sean Evans that's a tricky of the one. attention that he commits. That's a real tricky one for sure. I think it depends on the team and if there's any history there with said team and then the personnel that you have on your team and you got to think is Sean Evans going to fit in that puzzle. Like I could see Sean Evans as a member of the Philadelphia Wings, Brad. That's the only place I thought I could see him landing to. You've got the history with Paul Day, and then you know, he's that he might be that. I know that I want youth in that lineup, and he's not bringing but youth, but he's that, bringing that energy yes, that they've been missing. Grit, spark. So yeah, I could see that happen, and I don't know, like uh, Dawson, I Curtis Knight could find a home pretty much on any team. I think like he is a great utility guy that I think you can just plug and play in pretty much anybody's offense. Dawson, 
I think you're running a little risk there trading your captain away, and that might send the wrong message to that room and that culture. So I think they probably hang on to Polly, and Polly might not want to go anywhere at this point. So he might, I don't know. But if he does, then maybe he do. But it'd be interesting to see what Rochester does. No question about that. Yeah, and, and two other guys in Rochester, like Thomas Hogarth's not a UFA, but I also think he could be a good recipe in Philadelphia as well, like mm-hmm. for similar reasons to Evie. He's yeah. a guy that's going to crash and bang and get inside. He's got history with with Paul Day. Do you make a move to bring in Calgary could Hogarth? use a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's are they idea. going after, like, are they mortgaging their future for, for the now? Probably not. They may be selling off some pieces as well, like Curtis Dixon, Brad, unrestricted at the end of this year, and by all accounts, doesn't sound like he's going to re-sign in Calgary. So do you try and get what you can for him right now, knowing that you might not be able to re-sign him? Well, it depends how deep those those rumors are. Like, I, I'm yeah, not this so is just what I've heard. Old, I don't know. I know, and, and I've heard the same things, but, like, why? You're, you're the captain of the team. You spent your entire career there. I know guys like to make money, and it's the t- it's a tough place to get money from. Is the Chicago next? They really play by the salary cap rules and play it by the book, like some like teams are supposed to. But well, they really, ball, the teams yeah. that are owned by the teams that are owned by the NHL clubs are usually played a little bit stricter when you're talking about salary cap stuff, like your Vancouver's, like your Calgary's. Um, so it is tough to get a dime out of there. But like he's already franchised, he's already your captain, he's already played his whole career there. Yeah, Calgary's on a bit of a, a youth swing. Right now, but like if you're Curtis Dixon, why would you want to go anywhere else? Well, maybe try and get Unless one you want more to win title. Another wing. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not I'm not so convinced that he's he's out of there. Could you and see the other thing about sorry, go ahead. No, you had oh, I was gonna say, could you see like a team like San Diego maybe try and bolster up their back end? Like I don't think they need anything offensively. Pretty good in goal as well, but maybe add a piece or two veteran presence there on the defensive end. Well, like that's, where that's where Saskatchewan's going to come into play because you talk about adding your defense. You're looking at Chris Corbeil, Ryan Dilks, Kyle Rubish, all unrestricted free agents at the end of the season and all may or may not be interested in signing back in Saskatchewan. So I think if the rush lose this weekend to San Diego, that's where we might see a couple of those guys on the move, whether it's to San Diego in the East, maybe it's to an Albany in the West, who I think they need help on their back end to get back in the playoff picture. Um, you know, where else could you see those guys going? Well, I think Buffalo, I think Toronto. Um, but, you know, the, the risk I think you run, and I don't know if this is even doable in the National Cross League, but, like, do you want to, do you want to, does San Diego want to trade for those guys knowing that they may just be a rental player for the remainder of the year and they might not be able to re-sign them as free agents because they're Eastern guys. So, like, do you give up, you know, draft picks or some young players back the other way and then those guys walk on you at the end of the year whether you win or not? So I think if San Diego is going to make a move like that, Pat Merrill and company have to be assured that they can re-sign those guys at the end of the year. Agreed. And I also think that the price tag is probably pretty high. And I think the only currency that people are really interested in dealing in is first round draft picks. And we've seen, we've heard rumblings about how many compensatory picks are going to be coming in to the league at the end of this season. I think there's like 23 
first round picks in 2022, right? With compensatories. So a second round pick is worth even less than it was. So the really only currency you're willing to deal with is a first. And right now, the only team with two first rounders next year Georgia. is Hal- is Halifax. Actually. <laughs> Halifax Thunderbirds right now, the only team in 2022 with two confirmed first round draft picks. Again, these compensatory picks haven't um, really rolled in yet. Like they're the only one that's got something to give up. And Kurt's right never now. been shy to do that either, right? Like no, and they have to be yeah. all in right now as well. Like their window is now. Jameson, Campbell, Brock, Keo, like Dutch. Dutch was hanging around the T Birds again last weekend. So, like they're they're in it to win it this year. Are the Halifax Thunderbirds? Yeah, I, I agree there wholeheartedly. And that's, I think, where they could boost up. Like, if Dutch gets healthy, I think they've got depth on, on the right side of the offense. I think they've got depth on the left side of the offense. But it never hurts to bring in Brian Dilk, Kyle Rubish to yeah. to help things up. Imagine him playing with, with Hossick. And I, oh I guess if you're the God. Buffalo Bandits, you could say the same thing. Like, I don't think there's an offense well, where that's going to help the Buffalo Bandits right now. But if they could add another stud defender look out and like, get in their way rubish and corbeal are like the best of friends they travel they room together they like they are almost like the sedine twins where they're a package deal but could you see a scenario where those two get split up and go to other teams well, yeah, because i don't because think no teams one, can, no afford can afford both, both right yeah, no no one can afford both no one can afford both those players yeah so. i think the price tag would be way too high unless you're willing to give up some young pieces and draft picks, but Georgia is interesting, Brad. Georgia is a real interesting scenario. And I would put Albany in that conversation as well, where they're just kind of middling around the pack. And, you know, you're not really sure. Are they going to make the playoffs? Are they not going to make the playoffs? How far are they going to go in the playoffs if they make the playoffs? So, you know, when you're sitting there looking at, nine and one buff and eight and one Halifax and our Toronto team that's starting to find their groove. Like, do you just say, okay, maybe this isn't the year for us to go for it here. And let's think about the future a little bit, or do you, you know, stand pat and just try and make the playoffs and see how far you can take it. I'll I'll answer for both those teams. I think, I think if you're the Albany Firewolves, I think you could be a Dilks or a Rubish or a Corbeil away from taking that next step and solidifying yourself into the playoffs. Yeah. I just don't think with the Georgia swarms history, they've ever made a move. Like they're Georgia swarm are not in the business of bringing in veterans for loners or for, for one year. That's just not what they do. They, they would rather be probably sellers and accumulate yeah. some first round draft picks based on what John Arlotta has done. I just don't see them taking a swing at with, with a five and six record at one of those big, UFA defenseman in Saskatchewan. So who do they like? You know, is it is it Tatton? Is it McIntosh? Like I don't think Jackson's going anywhere. Lyle's obviously not going anywhere. Jordan Hall could be a guy this last year that they might give an opportunity to to try and win one out the door. I think Georgia's going to be a, a interesting team to watch. If I had to put my money on anybody making some moves at the deadline, it's going to be the Georgia Swarm. And the other one is, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Philadelphia Wings. Like we just talked about, maybe some ways to improve their offense. But are they in a position to like? Is would Kyle Rubish fix 
the Philadelphia Wings right now. No, it's their only score. They're only yeah, they're only scoring seven and a half goals a game over their last month. Um, like what's going to help the Philadelphia Wings? So I think we can that around a bit, but I don't think it's something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Sean Evans to the Wings. You heard it here. Okay, I'm making the deal. Okay, well, we're a week away. I think the, this weekend's games are going to um, tell a determine, lot. Yeah. tell a lot. And one other little nugget I wanted to throw out there, like I was talking with Adam Levy this week. I think he's going to publish an article, Speaking not to steal his nuggets. thunder, but he's going he's to publish an article about the trade deadline. He's got some cool stuff in the works, but we're going back and forth about deadlines of years past. And again, like to my point up top, like there hasn't been a ton of splashiness over the years, um, but Edmonton Rush picked up Marty Dinsdale from the Calgary Roughnecks at the trade deadline in 2015. And you know what he did that year? Won them the cup. Scored the game winner against the Toronto Rock in yeah. the finals. So that was one of the last sort of notable, splashy things that has happened at the trade deadline. Things have been moved around, obviously, but um, that was one that I kind of I thought was a neat little nugget. That, I'm that trying jump, to remember that a, a deal that locker floated by me at one time i think it was right around that time dinsdale and it was like dinsdale you're not gonna believe this brad but dinsdale and del bianco for reese dutch didn't do yeah it. i've heard I've, I've i've heard this rumor and i i don't know if that was ever like calgary was not in the business of moving del bianco well, they had frankie stage in his career I know, but they knew expansion was coming. They knew what they had in Del Bianco. Like they didn't, they weren't stupid with drafting Del Bianco or they drafted Del Bianco. They, I think they knew what was coming from him. Mm. That's why I find that one a little tough to believe. Yeah. Anyways. And right. that Dutch ends up in Calgary as a free agent anyways, years later. <laughs> and he scores the game. <laughs> Goal to clench the cup. Symmetry. Are we done for Symmetry. trade talk, trade deadline? coming up yeah let's let's talk to jeremy thompson who wasn't a trade but he was an unrestricted free agent found himself a nice little home down in fort worth texas and is on a two-game winning streak with the panther city lacrosse club let's get to jet let's do it gunner jeremy thompson is next here right after halftime of lax class 174 Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Sean Williams. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and boxing cross. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Jake Kelly, Brad Challoner, and Rycor Construction with us as well. They make it stand out at Rycor Construction. You can give them a follow on Twitter and Facebook, excuse me, Instagram and Facebook. Check out their work, and if you need to get in contact with them, RycorConstruction.ca is where you want to go. Uh, now joining the podcast, this interview brought to you by Rycor Construction. Now joining the podcast is one Jeremy Thompson, a three-time NLL champ, uh, former grad out of Syracuse, member of the Iroquois Nationals, and now an alternate captain with Panther City Lacrosse Club who have won their last two games in a row, including a win over Vancouver. And just this last weekend, a big win over his former club, the Saskatchewan Rush. Jeremy Thompson, welcome to Lax Class. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, no problem, guys. I uh, certainly appreciate you and likewise for all the kind words and uh, right back at you. Um, I just feel honored and 
uh, feel lucky, blessed to be a part of. So thank you for choosing me. Oh man, I know you're a busy guy. We tried to run you down last week. Uh, it looked like you were doing a bunch of camps and stuff in in Fort Worth. Was that what was going on after after the big W there over Vancouver? It looks like you hung around for a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, obviously the game's growing. Obviously connections with NLL and with the junior programs tied to all of the the, the teams across the league, and obviously you have San Diego and. Every, every team has their junior program, so obviously us being a first-year program and it was, you know, likely to come up uh, much sooner, but, um, you know, we're finally here with it, and we had our first tryout. That's what it was. Um, so we selected um, some kids, and, you know, the future's looking bright in, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. Obviously, it's the beginning, um, and lots to come to follow. Uh, obviously, Texas is pretty huge, and the, the sport is young there. Uh, when it comes to box across, but uh, as far as field, it's been there for a few years now. Um, but like I said, it's uh, it's looking good. And um, you know, when it comes to uh, learning, adapting to the box across game, obviously it being a little bit more um, you know challenging compared to field across. Um, the kids really loving it, and they're really uh, they're really grasping to it. And so if you kind of get that um, kids being hungry for that, you're going to get some success out of that as you continue to kind of build from there. So. Jerry, let's go back to the let's go back to the off season. You're an unrestricted free agent after a year called your your time in Saskatchewan, and you know obviously the rings, everything you've accomplished, but a chance to spread your wings and go do something a little different and try out with um with an expansion team and see what you can see what you can offer with a budding club. What made you want to sign in in Panther City in the off season? Um, I think uh, I think when it comes back, you know, kind of dialing it back to my career in Saskatchewan, obviously I had a lot of success, you know, Derek King, the whole organization, uh, very smart, very well, high class organization as far as, you know, putting a team together and for all the success that we've had there. And, you know, so for me, being a part of that and being a part of that program um, really taught me a lot. And obviously uh, you come to you come to a point in your life where you want to kind of continue to kind of challenge yourself and kind of take a new role and obviously um you know I think that was a part of it you know kind of a huge part of it that you know kind of making a decision into um uh making my final decision to go to Patrick City was to kind of maybe take a new role and challenge myself in a different role you know I, as you like I said like one of the biggest things that was expressed uh in the locker room in the rush locker room was that you know everyone was a leader everyone had their their roles and i think that's why we were so successful i mean i can honestly say that's why we were you know with you know cores being the leadership with that you know he encouraged a lot of that and he gave that and when you give choice to you know younger guys that are coming up it really empowers them um so when when you have a, a successful leader like that smart leader like that it incorporates them and you know i've obviously taken my skills and uh, incorporate that now into I look at it as a, a challenge um, and also a journey um, that I'm up to kind of taking. And obviously, we've had many, many lots of hurdles this year with Patent City. And um, like I said a little while ago, I was talking to you guys off the script there. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing as a human being, you kind of want to just, you know, you know, continue to surround yourself and have a good frame of mind. That's really being an optimist. And as long as you continue to work hard, um, appreciate the things around you and, and taking care of the small things. And these are all the, the same the things that are being uh, uh, said in the locker room. So a lot of the verbiage, the vocabulary is being talked amongst the different players, the veteran guys, the younger guys. It's the, the same concept. We're trying to empower everyone as being 
you know, being a leader, you know, you know, finding what it is that you team and own it. And uh, I think, you know, it's these last couple games here, the second half of the season, we're finding those strengths um, individually and we're just tying it, we're piecing it all together and it's coming well, it's coming pretty good for us. Um, so obviously we built up some excitement. Um, that excitement was, um, you know, always there. We always knew it was there, but it was just a matter of time. Uh, here with Jeremy Thompson on Lax Class, and you mentioned a new role and, and you know, trying to showcase your skills in other ways, Jer, and, and one of those ways is been playing a little offense, uh, running the power play for Pete's sake. Uh, I saw, you know, you doing and, and popped in a couple of goals as well, and I know that's always kind of been in your arsenal, but you've been more of a, a D transition face-off guy, but what's it been like, uh, you know, having Tracy and, and Dan thrust you up uh, out the front door and, and running the power play with a young group there. That's got to be a lot of fun for you. It is, man. It, it's awesome. I love every aspect about the game, and I think that's one of the unique things that I obviously was blessed with as far as, you know, having both of my parents in my life. And obviously my father, you know, he's, you know, one of the greatest things that he gave us was his time. And with that time, he expressed to us throughout growing up in, in, the, in the lacrosse world or systems is, you know, we all have many parent gifts and, and you know, why not sharpen each and every one of those and why not just be good at one thing? Once you get good at one thing, um, try something else. Obviously, I was a very versatile player where I tried out facing off and I, I loved that. I fell in love with that. And obviously, playing both ends of the field um, over the years, I was able to just be kind of have a well overall balance um, in different parts of the game. Um, so obviously, yeah, my beginning of my career started out, you know, obviously being a defensive transition guy, face-off guy, but, um, you know, obviously in high school growing up and up through the minor system, I was, uh, you know, I had to play both ends. Um, and, you know, obviously in the game, it's just, uh, it's, it's just been having it being transitioned over these last few games, second half of the season, like I said, um, I give a lot of credit to my, to my coaches, you know, TK and Teeter, uh, for just, uh, you know, pumping me up, pumping my wheels up and really having confidence in me and um, really letting me know what my talents are, just reminding me. Um, so for myself to kind of, obviously, first couple of games playing offense, you know, I had to refresh things and obviously learn the systems and whatnot. But it's obviously been played, you know, over the years and it just becomes second nature. It's always ingrained. So it was really a refresher and it's been, it feels good. It feels awesome. Um, you know, for myself, I just, uh, I love it. I love every aspect about it. Um, just getting to know other players and whatnot and just, uh, adding that excitement to it and, you know, just kind of, uh, bringing that excitement to one another. Um, and it's really kind of vibing in the locker room, um, just as far as the things being changed up and, you know, obviously it's always good to score goals and obviously I've been, uh, pretty successful at that last couple of games. I've gotten a couple goals each, couple of assists. So I'll do whatever it takes to, uh, to uh, make the team successful. And obviously I've gotten a lot of help from that encouragement from my teammates and the coaching staff. Face-offs are obviously a huge part of your game too. Just another weapon in your arsenal. And I think we're seeing it around the league this year. Some of the guys that are taking face-offs like Messenger and we've seen Courier and, and Barker in Vancouver, like a lot of guys are getting a taste and they do everything else on the floor. They play a little offense. They play a little deep transition. Um, so it's nice to see that there's not just guys that are taking face-offs and getting off. You've never been that guy, but how do you view face-offs in your role as a player and a contributor to the team? Do you think they're a, a big thing for you and face-offs are, are super important in the National Lacrosse League? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, most certainly. I mean, the game starts out, especially in the, in, in the indoor game, um, it, it's huge. And any kind of any kind of game, face-offs are huge because that's where the game starts. And obviously, the more more possessions that you get, obviously, can be an advantage. You know, I, we talk about the small things in life, and I think those are just any any small thing that you can kind of own and master. And uh, those things lead into big things and big successes. And um, it's awesome. I think it's uh, it's a really great thing when you see a lot of players, you know, coming up and, you know, being very versatile, where it's just like they don't just specialize in one thing. Um, and like you said, you're seeing more and more guys. I, I was, you know, fortunate enough to, um, you know, work with Messenger last year. And obviously, just getting some help, um, having a backup guy. Um, and, you know, I got to, you know, share my craft with him. And he was very... Uh, receptive and open to anything you could tell he just wanted to learn you know so I can only imagine like guys like you know Courier and you know um, just some other guys in the league that are uh, being willing to open open to that part of the game and just want to be do the part and be successful whatever that means to their team um, I'm sure they're going to be open so it's always great to kind of see that and, uh, uh, for them for the individuals and for their team yeah I, I you know I was watching the end of that game and I you know I don't think it was uh, particularly fair face off at the end of regulation there it kind of looked like you know the ball ball was down and whistle went and you like neither one of you were really kind of set and I know you were disappointed in yourself not winning that draw at the end of regulation but you come up with it in overtime but to get back to messenger you know you guys worked a lot with each other at shoot around and practice and stuff and I saw you guys kind of exchanging a bit of a conversation prior to that big draw and it looked pretty lighthearted. what what was going on uh, between you and mess there before that big draw um, you know what, man, I'm at a point in my life where I, I just have so much love and care and compassion. Um, obviously when it comes to the game, you go out there and you're putting your best effort out and you're like, uh, you know, in the beginning, the, I, I just have so much respect. Um, obviously, obviously him being an old teammate, we went through so much and I, I just feel really lucky, man, when it comes to stepping on the floor and being able to play this game. And it takes it even further than that, being off the floor. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's um, like I said, I feel very fortunate to this journey that I'm on, that, that you continue to more and more to kind of entertain and build peace within yourself. Um, that's, that's happiness. And one of my biggest aspirations in life is just to, you know, take care of my own stuff. Obviously, we have our own journeys and roadblocks in life. And it's just been very uh, transformational for myself. And, um, yeah, man, I just have lucky stars in my eyes when it comes to, you know, moments like that, you know, you, you it's a bottom line and it just comes down to respect. And once the whistle blows, it's just like no hard feelings. Obviously it's, it's, it's a game, a game of contact and you're going to get hit, but um, it's, yeah, man, I think that's the bottom line of it. And I, I don't have anything else other than that. Um, Who's like the, said, who, it was soft, um, kind hearted. And that's exactly what it was. Uh, give a pound to each other and yeah. you know, we respect each other. And you just tried to do that with every, I was going to ask you, who's who's the toughest in the league to face off against for you personally? Yeah, so I think when it comes to probably the toughest person uh, coming up against in, in a face-off, um, obviously he's one of the biggest and baddest. Obviously he's uh, really specialized in uh, – I'd have to say Trevor, Trevor Baptiste and obviously Joe Nardella. Um, and those guys really, um, really have taken it to another level. 
So I always, it's always really exciting, um, obviously, to have those challenges and have those people in the league because those are the people you kind of look at. And when it comes to um, having an opportunity to, to come up against them, you're going to learn a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to say those two guys, obviously, they spend and they teach you so much um, uh, just going up against them simply. Um, so, yeah. Speaking with Jeremy Thompson of the Panther City Lacrosse Club, coming off a two-game winning streak, and we want to spend some time there, Jeremy, because I think it's really special what this club is going through right now. But you get a win last weekend against Saskatchewan in overtime, a team that I'm sure felt great for for you to get over and and beat. But that team, three and seven right now, what do you make of what that group's going through right now? I don't think anybody saw them this this far down the playoff line at this stage in the season. Um, yeah, man, I, I think it, I think it's like that right across the, the board. Obviously you have the teams that are, um, obviously in the flow and it kind of shows with their record, but obviously with the, the expansion across the whole league, you have, um, you know, majority of the teams, um, uh, finding challenges and trying to find, um, the right, right guys, right key ingredients to kind of mesh everything together. And, um, yeah, I think that's, it's, it's similar to our situation. And um, there's nothing really you can do too much about it other than kind of continue to just be, um, you know, an optimist and like-minded and, and just to kind of, you know, st- you know, stay hopeful and finish out strong. And um, obviously, yeah, when it comes to those opportunities, um, um, it just kind of dials back to the opportunities that we've kind of had and the challenges that we've had kind of with our team in Panther City. So how, yeah. about, how about a couple of guys on that team, Jared, that, you know, you may not have known a whole lot about until you got there in Panther City and, and were around him and practiced against him and played with him and kind of realized, holy cow, this guy is, like, way better. I didn't really know this guy, and he's really good. Um, There hasn't been really too much surprises. I mean, I, I pretty well knew all the guys. Um, hey, but Will Malcolm with five there last game, Jared. Like, that kid's starting to jump off the page a little bit. Uh, exactly. You know, guys like that, I mean, it didn't surprise me at all because, you know, when we came into training camp, we had a really deep um, uh, number amount of guys on the list that were obviously we had a very young team, but we had a very loaded um, uh, training camp. And, you know, all the guys are hungry. And then obviously when it comes to final team rosters, um, you know, guys like Malcolm, um, you know, he's he's been very successful for himself. He's got very quick feet and you know, he's um he's young. He's young and he's continuing to keep an open ear and willing to learn, um, to continue to elevate his game. Um so like like myself, my like you know, that's where I think the veterans come in, where it's important um that we build a really cohesive um environment and family attitude where we're kinda of helping those younger players up and helping building them up. So I mean and it's and it's it's vice versa. Uh, when it comes to those young guys, they really encourage us younger players. Or you know, they really kind of build hype up within us too, as well as you know me being a veteran player and um, just sharing that relationship. And it's really a um, uh, two way street. Yeah, Benny kind of said that last week, eh, Brad? Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, the, the young guys give energy to the veterans, and the veterans pass knowledge down to the young guys. And if you get them all working on the same page, special things can happen for sure. We talked to Tracy Koleski. I talked to Tracy Koleski after you guys beat. Um, New York for the first ever win and and then came out and then got beat by Saskatchewan pretty badly in Saskatchewan and he was like you know the win the win was good but at the expense of what it was almost like he felt you guys were almost getting too high on yourselves getting that win but now you're on a two-game win streak what's the mentality now is it still this work pale team or do you feel like hey we're starting to to learn how to win a little bit um, and there might be a different attitude heading into your next game 
Well, I think one of the biggest things, the key things to kind of focus on is um, obviously we've had a very challenging and um, uh, we've, we've crossed so many things. And I think when you lose and you have those hardships in, in general in life, but when it comes to sports and you're, you know, it's a lose, 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 lose. And when you finally get your, your first case of, uh, of a win, um, it, it is very exciting. But also, you know, after that happened, um, I think it really was an eye-opener for us because we continued to kind of find it being challenging. You know, we couldn't really figure it out. And I think it was just the, the, the fact of um, knowing that we had a really good team, obviously believing in what our coach was telling us. And um, as far as that, you know, obviously knowing that we were defensively built strong transition-wise and we knew all those things, it was just a matter of time of piecing together the things on offense, you know, really piecing together things on defense because we were knowing for how good we, we knew we were on defense and the guys that we had on paper. Um, it, it, like I said, we, we've gone through those challenges and we really thought, okay, like our, what, what's going on here? And I think it was really the piece of really trying to figure it out. And now that we've gotten a couple more wins underneath our belt, it's really become more and more uh, reality for us. And knowing that, um, that if we buy in, buy into this, you know, this culture of um, owning, um, you know, five minutes at a time, you know, in, in increments and really believing in yourself with confidence. And I think that's going to be the uh, the moving factor going forward. And um, it's it's obviously worked for us, but obviously knowing that, um, you know, there could be some opportunities where we run to a couple more challenges, but it's really, at the end of the day, it comes back on us and we have to kind of just learn from that and um, come back the rebound um, mentality as far as, you know, what's next couple more minutes here with Jeremy Thompson, and I want to ask you about the Iroquois Nationals and the Olympics and sixes and everything kind of on the horizon here for the Nats, Jared. Do you have any kind of an update for for the people on, on where the program is at as far as you guys getting your sovereignty for the Haudenosaunee and, and getting your own passports and being eligible to play in the Olympics uh, in L.A.? Do you have any sort of an update on that? Um, yeah, when it, when it comes to the Erica Nationals, um, when it comes to our, um, our Haudenosaunee rights and, you know, obviously going through the whole passport challenge, um, you know, and that really kind of comes, kind of ties back to, um, you know, our, 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 our basic human rights as a uh, privilege as people, as a, as a nation. Um, but, um, that's always a challenge, uh, when it comes to kind of coming up to those things, but. The latest and greatest with that is um, obviously with Erica Nationals, we've had a joint one umbrella concept as organization as far as bringing the women and men under one umbrella, uh, so that we so that way that we can compete at the World Olympics in uh, 2028. Uh, but as far as um, as far as the sixes, that's um, our organization under one umbrella has been um, up and running since uh, late summer early fall i want to say september they finally got that under up and going and uh really it's really kind of coming down to finding funding uh, i know at the airport national just sent out a whole funding page as far as trying to get help and obviously money and fees um it's kind of a factor uh when it comes into you know us what we've been doing as far as um, fundraising and organizing that such way um but really it's, it's there, we've had our challenges in it but it's starting to come together now good um and as far as, yeah, just getting together, we've had a couple of tryouts as far as the sixes in, in the past, in the fall time, uh, which is good. You know, we, we always had our challenges of kind of coming together as an organization um, prior to the upcoming World Games coming up. So it was a good feeling this past fall. Oh, and, good. Um, 
yeah, so it's, it's looking like it's lot, lots of good success coming in um, on that end, as far as Eric Nationals, just that, um, yeah. Well, Jared, to, listen, man, I know you've been an absolute role model for many of the Indigenous players in our league and an absolute beacon and always a strong voice in the lacrosse community and, and in your Indigenous community, and, and I applaud you for that. Best of luck here with the rest of the way with Panther City and... Uh, you're always one of my favorite players to watch play the game, man. So I really appreciate you doing this and everything you do for the sport of lacrosse. Yeah, man. Likewise, thank you for choosing me again and uh, having me on. Anytime. Uh, I'm going to take you up on that, too, by the way. So be ready. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, Jer, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Thank you. You too. Have a good day. You too. There you go. Jeremy Thompson, Brad. Uh, I've chatted with Jer a lot during my time in, in Sask. I know uh, you were kind of asking about Jeremy and what kind of interview he was going to be. There you go. He, he likes to chat. Yeah, he's a, he's a great ambassador for the sport, obviously. And I think that's one of the reasons why they got him in Panther City. Not only can he do a little bit of everything on a lacrosse floor, but the guy is, uh, he's, he's, you know, the epitome of the sport and he can spread the sport and take it with them everywhere. He can take it to schools. He can take it to, to field lacrosse practices. He can, he can spread that game. And I know you had a story on here a while ago, Jumbo, that, you know, I think he had a goal of visiting almost every reservation yeah. in Saskatchewan yeah. and we didn't get to ask him that, but I think he's, he's still on his way to fulfilling that goal. But He'll now we get, now he gets to, now we get to spread his reach and, and do that in Texas as well. So I think it's, he's a huge ambassador for the sport sport and he's he's really found another level to his game playing under Tracy Koloski and Panther City and and having that leadership role and having you know being the guy and then getting thrust into all these different situations and and he's thriving man it's been fun to watch this team come together in the last little bit absolutely and I don't know if people really fully understand kind of the the burden or the weight that he and Lyle carry for so many people uh young kids just I mean, these guys are their idols and their stars, but Lyle, Miles, Jer, Heine, they all, I mean, they all do the right things. They all say the right things and they are the role models for the youth of the indigenous to look up to. And and they carry that load as best they can. And they do a fantastic job of it. Yeah. He, he absolutely radiates positivity. That's one thing that I took from that chat yeah. there and just talking about that the skirmish with messenger I everything mean, that goes along with it he radiates positivity and there's not many better ambassadors and role models like you said for uh, the sport he's doing a fantastic job yeah unbelievable guy glad we had a chance to have that chat ep 174 stick around we're back after this Hey, this is Ryan Diltz on the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, throwing the game one podcast at a time. And now it's time for Who You Got. We are back. We're into the fourth quarter, which means no more breaks here on Lax Class. It also means that our buddy Evan Sheminaro is back. This is how we do There it is, uh, another little Montel. <laughs> I'm never going to get tired of that. I hope people don't as well. It's Evan's favorite song. It's a song that Not he, my just, favorite song, he but cannot it's a, it's resist to song. crank up when he hears Montel Jordan come on. And uh, that's Hell yeah. it's disturbing. 
You know, it's and then disturbing. if you're listening, if, if you're listening and like me, and this is why you find this funny, because, you know, Evan, I, I know you, I love you. I just picture um, that you're, you know, you're at the office working and there's probably some Chicago playing or some, uh, <laughs> some Steely Dan, perhaps. Barry Manilow. I'm a little young for Chicago, actually. But... Barry Manilow is in your rotation. I have no doubt about it. I've been to Barry. I've seen Barry. There Manilow. you go. I, 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 I hate bet to tell you've you. been to the Copacabana. <laughs> tops off you know, okay, but you know, Barry Manilow was a staple in Vegas for years. <laughs> so when you live in Vegas, you're going to go see Barry Manilow. I mean. <laughs> Come on. I don't know if you are, or I am. I might find other things to do in Vegas than go see Barry fucking Mantle. But you know what? What Brad's got in his head is some country boy with a band, like a guitar or banjo. Yeah, maybe a George Strait. Maybe like a George Strait. Montel Jordan. A guy, you know, hip hop or R&B. In the prairies, it just doesn't uh, click for you. I've actually, I got actually got a mon. I had a brushing with Montel Jordan, oh, so I was. <laughs> this I just you just reminded me of this. Okay, I was like, I was you know, this, like nine or ten years old because this is like ninety four <laughs> when when this is how we do it was big. He it came to he came to Richmond Center Mall <laughs> for an autograph signing. <laughs> And I went with my with my with my best friend at the time and his older sister and her friend, as you do. They take you to the mall and we waited in line to Richard Center Mall for Montel Jordan. He was in this like little tent with a curtain behind it. You still and he was got it? signing autographs and we waited in line for like two hours. No. So we're like next in line. We're like literally like two, probably two people back from the front of the line. And Montel Jordan disappears. He gets up out of the tent. And he vanishes like Elvis has left the building. They literally did an announcement like Montel has left the building. Oh, Please leave no. the We waited for two hours where the next people in line, oh. Montel Jordan probably peeked out and saw my little shithead ass at, at nine years old and said, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm getting the heck out of here. Oh, no. But uh, <laughs> this is how we do it. Montel Jordan did not do it. All right. Day. Well, this is how we do. Who you got? It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Who you got? Who you got? Week 15 brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Mentioned it's into March here. We're going to talk about hats here because, guys, hats are like a personal business card for a cowboy. You know what I'm saying here? The type of hat you wear says a lot about you or, you know, the fact you may go see Barry Manilow in Vegas uh, says a lot about you as well. But at Stampede Tack and Western Wear, they carry a huge selection of hats. Everything from the traditional styled cowboy hat from iconic names such as Stetson, to oil skin hats by the Outback Trading Company, they offer a wide selection of ball caps, beanies from Carhartt, pretty much everything for anyone. So the next time you're out there at Stampede Tack, out there in Cloverdale, check out their amazing selection of hats. Or you can do it online, because it's still shopping local at stampede.ca. All right, Evan, excuse me, I don't know why I'm getting so choked up here tonight. Uh, why don't you announce the week 14 winner i believe we have our first female victor of the season yes we do and 
her husband uh, not happy. Renee's not like, happy. No, he was uh, he was sitting as like my wife just won, and I'm never going to hear the end of it. And going into that last game, you know, a week ago we had what nobody going better than three and three. We went to that last game where if the rush had won, there were 31 people that would have gone perfect. And if the if Panther City won, there were still five. So Ashley Rooting, Rootlinger is the winner for week 14. Uh, perfect, uh, perfect 6-0. and and Tiebreaker. The closest on the tiebreaker. The, the other people in this tiebreaker are like 21, 22, 23. Yeah. She was 29, and even that was still low. Yeah, that's that crazy. Went. I just want to read this out here because she sent out a nice email, but she says... She's the only female in the house, and she does not play lacrosse, but she votes and picks her teams solely based on loyalty to the players and coaching systems. Sitting on a lacrosse board for, for 10 years, you learn a lot as a non-player, Ashley says. So I found that quite interesting. Coaching systems and loyalty to players. I'm After another stinky 3-3 three and three week for yours truly, I'm thinking about implementing that strategy right here this week no i was i was five and one i was close but no nobody asked it got me nobody asked <laughs> but All you right. know the overall there is uh, our buddy john hartnett is starting to break away here somebody's got to start to catch him pretty quickly because he's got he a cannot win 16 point lead right oh, now holy cow well, not- exp- Explain, Evan, what happened to me this weekend because I did better four out of six <laughs> than I did the week previous, three out of six, but I went down Com- in the rankings. Confidence because, numbers. Because Confidence so many numbers. people were five and one or six and oh. So I got to do better again. Tough week. Plus, plus you lost on the rush. You had eight on the rush, right? Oh, so that hurts. Yeah. So there's there's all your points, right? So it, these confidence points really do matter when you get down oh, to the. Oh, uh, before we get into it here, fellas, uh, br- let me tell you, Brad did hear about it from uh, upper management down there at Rogers Arena about his, not only his selection of the Halifax Thunderbirds, but his confidence number that went along. <laughs> with that selection was uh, not recepted very well. I, I think the seven went over worse than the pick for. Yeah, I think so. But during that conversation, Evan Schemenauer, I was able to confirm that the deal for you to get a Vancouver Warriors jersey of your choosing in order to not pick Vancouver for the rest of the season has been solidified. And that is in the works for you, just so you know. Beautiful. Warriors stepped up. You're getting a jersey. You're not allowed to pick them the rest of the year. And you probably should have read the fine print too, Sheminar, because that carries all the way to the end of 2022. So even the start of next season in December, you cannot pick them either. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Just say it. Just say it. Fine print there. Enjoy your jersey. Uh, you get to host. I, I love those. Jerseys. I know they're the best. Uh, five and one, Evan. So I guess uh, you're the man to to host. Who you got this week? Ooh, here we go. Okay, so Halifax has got a doozy of a doubleheader here, where they're playing at home Friday night, then down south Saturday night. And we look this up. A bit of an interesting flight coming up. It's literally going to be a 5 or 6 a.m. departure out of Halifax through Toronto to get down there. Let's get this clear. You look this up. We did not look this up. You look this up. 
Absolutely, I looked it up. It's too bad they don't have a flight out of JFK, which I used to. That's how I used to go to Halifax. But here it is. It is the most difficult team in the league to pick, the Albany Firewolves. Going into Halifax, 8-1. and one. Jake Elliott, who you got? Halifax does not lose at home. At least I cannot remember the last time they did. I think that streak continues here to kick off week 15. Give me Halifax with a 5. Brad Challer, who you got? I'm not confident in this game. I want, and I believe the Albany Firewolves are, are a playoff team. and They're maybe a piece away from accomplishing that. Maybe that's at the trade deadline. Maybe it's not. They're coming off a big win against, uh, no, they're coming off an overtime loss against the Buffalo Bandits. They're up and down this season, but I don't think this is this weekend they're going to be able to get right again. Halifax, like Jumbo said, they just don't lose when it's chowder pregame. And doesn't matter who's in net. Halifax Thunderbirds are eight and one. Give me the Firewolves or give me the Thunderbirds in the three. <laughs> I've got the Thunderbirds down for a six right now. And I'm, I'm questioning myself on that one simply because we don't know the status of one Warren Hill. And He'll be back. He, He'll be back. Whether he gets off COVID protocol in time or not, we'll see. That might change things. But for now, with him playing Halifax for a six. Now we got the suddenly red hot Panther City Lacrosse Club, but now going on the road this time to Colorado, six and three Mammoth, three and eight Panther City. Jake Elliott, who we got? I'm not a, I'm not quite ready to go red hot here for Panther City, who have yes won two games in a row, mind you, both coming by a single goal. One of those games in overtime, both of them coming at home. So I'm not quite ready to go red hot. And this tells me, I know we had the jet on and karma and all the rest of it, but Colorado sitting pretty coming off a bye week at six and three at ball arena. Give me the mammoth. This is my eight game for the Woolies. Brad Chandler, who you got? I feel the same way that Jake Elliott does on this game. Um, yeah, I'll stop short at red hot as well. Panther City's playing impressive lacrosse. They're grinding teams down. Uh, I think Dylan Ward, though, is too strong right now in the Colorado Mammoth offense, coupled with their strong D, is one of the top teams in the league right now. Give me the Mammoth with a six. I've got the Mammoth for a seven, and maybe I'm just a little more confident. It's it's away from Panther City. Uh, I, I I still have faith in the Mammoth to pull this off, and I don't think Dylan Ward is going to have to face 73 shots like he did last game. Give me the Mammoth for a seven. Uh, and Friday, 10 p.m., so we've got two games half hour apart here on fr late Friday night. The guys on the East Coast are going to have to be up massively late for this one. Suck it up. The 3-7 and seven Saskatchewan rush, if this isn't must-win, I don't know what is, versus the 7-2 San Diego Seals. Jake Elliott, who you got? I got San Diego here, man. I got them for a 7 to match their 7-2 and two record here. I mean, I think it's just as simple as San Diego is 7-2, and two, and Saskatchewan is 3-7. and seven. And I think this is the final straw here for the rush. I think that the, the changes are imminent uh, after a San Diego win here in Toontown. Seals for a 7. Brad Jellner, he got... I've got the rush, oh, friends. I, I'm I not surprised. I'm not surprised. Just based on how this season goes, based on how this season has been for every team, based on what we know of the National Lacrosse League, when was the last time you saw an all-out fire sale somewhere at the trade deadline? It, it doesn't happen. Rochester and 2017, something like that. 
I still don't know. I still don't know if that was a fire sale because they got rid of some pieces, but then like they picked up Ryan Banesh that year too. So it's like they were buying and selling at the same time. If we're thinking the same Georgia season. Swarm though, about three years earlier. There's, but it, it, but it doesn't happen often. Oh, and yeah, they're, they're that's the point. It doesn't happen yeah. often. Especially, but I think it's especially when, especially when everything is still on the line and the rusher one win away from from keeping it interesting and keeping it, keeping themselves in the conversation. So, you know, I think with Robert church and Matthews and the guys don't need to look too far to fire themselves back up. I think it's, it's time to get right. And they'll do it in San Diego this weekend rush wow. for the five. Wow. Wow. And you wonder why you're seals, going but... down. You wonder why yeah. you're going down in the standings, Brad. I don't know. I, I've got the seals, but I'm not as confident as jumbo here. And I think it's, Desperate times might mean the rush actually pull this off, but I'm not going to go too crazy on it. San Diego for a four. Chicken. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Saturday afternoon lacrosse. This is an interesting start time. 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Oh, this is good. This is good. I like the 2 p.m. Three games Friday, four games Saturday. Nice little stagger on them all here. This is this is the sweet spot here for the National Lacrosse League. Right? It is. Now it's uh, it's a battle of the basement in the East, the new two and eight New York Riptide, the three and seven Rochester Nighthawks. Jake Elliott, who you got? Well, at the start of this, I had literally selected every home team, and while I was staring at that, I said, "This is never going to happen. Seven home teams are going to win this week." So I switched my pick here. And I'm giving the Riptide a little respect. You guys listening to this right now that gave me such a hard time last week, which I happen to be correct on. Thank you very much. This week, I'm taking... Against the 3-7 and seven team. You're I'm gonna, taking against the, three and seven team. the New York Riptide. If there's one thing I know is that Jeff T does not play two poor games in a row. Look for 51 to have a big one here against the Nighthawks. Lomi, all the rest of it. Give me the warning issued. I'm taking the riptide here to beat the Nighthawks for a four. And let's see, Brad Challenger, who's been on the riptide train for a while, who you got? Yeah, I do think I picked them the week that they won their 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 first game in or this season. So, uh, yeah, I've been team tied. This is going to be a nice break for them. I don't have to waffle back and forth about it. But riptide for the four. And we've got a clean sweep here Ooh, on the Riptide. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I don't like the Nighthawks' chances. I just don't. Uh, they haven't impressed me lately. So it's the Riptide for three, but we've got a clean sweep there with the underdog. Interesting. Saturday night, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Halifax on the tail end of that nasty little trip down south, playing the 5 and 6 swarm. Jake Elliott, who you got? What? Look, get your flight charts out here, Shemanar. What is it like from Halifax to Quinnette County? I want to know what that travel day looks like. So it's it's, it's a, either a 5 a.m. departure that gets you into Atlanta about quarter after 11. Okay. That's or nice. it's 6 a.m. and it gets you there about 2.30. Yeah. I, they probably take the 6, give them an extra hour if they can. But I... I struggle with this game quite a bit, actually. It is my three game, and I flip-flop back and forth again. I had to pick a couple of road teams this week, and I'm taking Halifax again here to go 2-0 this weekend. I'm not super confident 
But I'm taking him anyways. Thunderbirds for a three. Brad Chandler, who you got? Yeah, I, I this struggled with this one, too. This is my lowest confidence vote of the weekend. I'm only giving this game a two, but I'm taking, again, underdog. Georgia Swarm. I don't think Halifax is going to win two this weekend. It's a tough task to win back-to-back games on a weekend, especially with the travel that they're going to have. Georgia just won on home floor. They've got playoff implications majorly on the line right here. I think Pooling can have a bounce-back game. Give me the Swarm with a two. And I've got the exact same pick, Swarm for two. I just think think there's going to be a a lot of gas going to be needed to get the win Friday night. So I don't know how much gas is going to be left after all that. They're at Gas South Arena. There's probably some kicking around there. But, uh, yeah, Swarm for two. Uh, 7.30. Nothing for that, fellas. Gas South Arena. No. I I said touche. Okay. Touche. That's all you get. (laughs) So 7.30 Eastern, out in Bandit Land, the five and six wings who have still not won a game against a team over 500. Playing the nine and one Bandits, Jake Elliott, who you got? Bandits first six. There's no, there's no, there's no, I don't need to back this up, I don't think. Bandits for an eight. You got one of the highest scoring teams in the National Lacrosse League, one of the lowest scoring teams in the National Lacrosse League. One offense is on all cylinders. One offense is struggling to get it done right now. Bandits with an eight until I'll be like Jumbo. Like until Philly wins another game, I don't know if I can go Philly. Not on the road and yeah, not in Bandit Land. Not on the road in Buffalo. Yeah, That's no. too tough. Yeah, I know show listener Paul Day is going to be disappointed in me, but it is Buffalo for an eight for me He's as got my well. number. You got my number, coach. <laughs> and the Saturday night matinee, you guys got the call here. From oh, Lincoln my Sacred. God. It's been a month. It's been a while, hasn't it, man? Oh, it's only like seriously. You're not mis- now we're gonna get that mis- rhythm here, Brad. Every couple if of weeks. If you're not mistaken, Evan, if I'm not mistaken, I, 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 I was trying to recall which one was the TSN game, but that's not this, it. You know, in in all with all due respect be. to, thank God it's not, but it should be. With yeah, with all due respect to the TSN game of the week, this 100 percent should like Toronto and Vancouver. It's Halifax and Albany with Pat and, and John Abbott. But I, I was, I've said it for years. I would watch uh, a ping pong tournament or a dice crap rolling tournament between Bocci somebody ball. from Vancouver and somebody from Toronto. Like when Corn these two teams hole. get together, uh, they, they, they go hard. They go Darts. hard, obviously. So looking forward to this one. Cool. So it's the center of the universe. Toronto Rock 7-4. and four. Vancouver Warriors 5-5. Five and five. Jake Elliott, who you got? Uh, listen. Dalek's been in my grill here last couple of days saying, if I know what's good for me, take Toronto, this and that. Uh, He knows exactly what he's doing. And he knows there's no way I'm taking the Toronto Rock this week. Oh, come on. Vancouver, with the bounce back on their home floor here, they got the remaining five out of their eight on their home floor. Sitting in a playoff spot. Let's not forget here, I know they lost in Halifax, but... Calgary lost, Saskatchewan lost, Albany lost. So no lost ground in the standings there for the Warriors who are sitting in a good spot here coming down the stretch. So take the Warriors. And I'm only putting a two beside it. Call, say what you want. I'm picking Vancouver. Evan, you are not. <laughs> okay, Brad Challoner, are you going against your team this week? So... It, it, <laughs> minus, so Jamie, minus Jamie, 192. Jamie, Keep Jamie came at Jamie came at me too. 
We're going to see Jamie this weekend, so it's a little tough to, to look him in the eye this time around. The price of the um, Lax Glass hat just went up, Dalek, just so you know. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I for the reasons Jumbo just said like Vancouver's back at home for the first time in a while I think they can they can sleep in their own beds this week Hammer's and back up too and get ready for this huge, one right Tyrell Hamer Jackson's back um you know we're not we're not rushing Mitch Jones back anytime soon but the Vancouver Warriors offense is clicking they're back home to the cozy confines they want to increase that stranglehold that they have on third place right now Give me the Vancouver Warriors. Let's and I'm go. Flipping John. it from last week. The only number I have left is the number seven, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boss is smiling okay. now. Jim, Jim else is smiling ear to ear because he knows he's going to catch in now. Uh, well, you know who my pick is. Yes, we it's do. the Toronto Rock. It's the it, there are minus one ninety two in this game. Boys. Good for that. Minus one ninety two. Guess what? Take it to the bank. Take the Toronto Rock, four or five, let's go. Oh, five, okay. Super confident there, I see. Well, that's what I, I mean. I got a few more confidence in a few other games, too, so it's all good. All right, there you go. Week 15, who you got? One more thing here to do on Lax Class 174, and that's put some jumbo bucks in your pocket with Lax Class Locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare block of the week. Ooh, that's a big luck, all right. Here we go, well, Lax Class Locks, and uh, like I mentioned off the top, Evan, our combo parlay, I think you are the one that screwed everybody picking Saskatchewan to win by two over Panther City. Brad and I got our picks right. You got yours wrong, so you cost the people... My personal one came down to a timeout call by Toronto with an empty net. You better have a discussion about that at Rogers oh, Arena this weekend. Trust you know? me, that conversation will be had. Uh, I feel I just I feel bad for the people. It's not me, right? It's the people. Um, so, anyways, another two for three week as we look to get back on the winning track here with a boosted odds parlay. Courtesy of Coolback Canada, and I've said this a number of weeks here, but I'm going to say it again. If you haven't signed up to Coolbet yet, do so immediately. And when you do, first time deposit, Coolbet will match you up to $200. They give you free money. You hear what I'm saying? Free money. Use the bonus code LAXCLASS, and when you deposit for the first time, put that bonus code up in the top left, and you get free money. Simple as that, and it makes things just a little more interesting when you're watching the game. So, combo parlay once again this week and boosted odds to go along with it. Evan, you want to run it down? Yeah, so here goes Albany, Halifax. It is to take Albany plus one and a half, so Albany can lose by one. Didn't we bump that this. to two and a half, Evan? I thought we bumped that up to two and a half. What uh, Mr. Gregoire has here is one and a half. Okay. All right. That's Brad's pick. And we've got San Diego to beat Saskatchewan on the money line. And we've got the Colorado Mammoth to cover the handicap, minus one and a half, so they got to win by two. It is originally a plus 667, but here we go. 
it is being boosted to a plus 750. If you put 20 bucks on this, it could pay you 170. It will pay, Evan. It will pay you. Well, I never fully guarantee that. Uh, no, stuff. we're not guaranteed, but it, I'm feeling really good about this one. I really, really am. So there you go. San Diego money line, Colorado to cover two goals, and Albany to stay within two of the Halifax Thunderbirds. 20 jumbo bucks gets your return of one. 70 uh, personal parlays here. If you want to sprinkle a little extra juice on some other games, Brad, lay it on me. I'm got the New York Riptide on the money line plus 106. I like, really like that Albany within two and a half of the Halifax Thunderbirds at minus 135. Parlay that with the Saskatchewan Rush plus 1.5 against the San Diego Seals. This is. The- like the betters have been in the Saskatchewan Rush yeah, corner most of, most of the season. They they're haven't not. no, but they're underdogs this time for one of the first times this year. No matter who Saskatchewan's going up against, they're usually um not the underdog in this yeah, one, but true. plus one ten on the money line for the rush. Like you'd be pretty smart to try to jump on that too. But plus one point five, all they gotta do is keep this game within reach. You put those three together, twenty bucks will win you ninety eight point nine. That's odds. Of plus four ninety five. Sounds like a radio station or something. Ninety eight point nine. All right, Evan, what do you got? I got probably the most evenly rounded parlay this whole year. It's crazy. So I'm going the same thing. Albany plus two and a half minus one thirty five. I still think Halifax wins, but not by three. I'm going the opposite direction in San Diego, Saskatchewan. San Diego is only a minus one thirty five. A seven and two team facing a three and seven, and they're only a minus one thirty-five. You take that every day. The third one I've got it is the Georgia Swarm on home floor. The they can this is a plus two point five. They just have to keep this game within two, and it is a minus one thirty-three. So twenty jumbo bucks pays back one oh six seventeen. Not bad. All right, here we go. Usually I like the over-under stuff, guys. I'm staying strictly point spread here. Three-point spreads coming at you. Colorado to cover one and a half for a plus 115. San Diego to cover one and a half for a plus 125 over Saskatchewan. And the New York Riptide at plus one and a half against the Rochester Nighthawks for a minus 156 at 694 here, boys. Gets you a cool return, a cool bet return of 158.77. Stay cool, bet responsibly. And again, when you win, praise us royally. And when you lose, well, that's your fault, not ours. That is Lax Class Locks for week 15. Best of luck to you. Enjoy the games, everybody. They are going to be fantastic. I want to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Stampede Tech, the Vancouver Warriors. Oh, we forgot to give a pair of Warriors tickets away. Let's do that right now. So if you're still tuned in, which you should be, got. To, let me ask this. I asked this on Warrior Spaces. I'll ask the same question. Who leads the Vancouver Warriors in goals? You don't even have to tell me how many. Just tell me who leads the Warriors in goals scored. Send me a message, send me an email at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Get at me. First person with the right answer wins himself a pair of Warriors tickets for Saturday night, which is jersey night down there at Rogers Arena. So make sure you wear your special favorite jersey to the game. 
as well. Associate Labels and Packaging, Cool Bet, Rycor Construction, Stampede Tack, Associate Labels and Packaging. Thanks for your continued support. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and send down a review as well. And give us a follow on social media at PXB for Sports, at Brad Chow, and at Shem Lax, at Lax Class, at Lacrosse Classified. All of that. And uh, massive thanks goes out to Jeremy Thompson for stopping by the pod. And to you, the loyal listener, for checking out Lax Class each and every week. We'll be back next week with EP175 right here on the home of it, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. For Evan Scheminar, Brad Chellner, I've been Jake Elliott for the fastest game on two feet. For the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.